We hope you enjoy this podcast from Light Church Edithburg. To find out more about us, visit lightchurch.co. If you've got a Bible, we're going to turn to Luke chapter 10, verse Luke chapter 10. I'm going to read from verse 38. Cool. It says this. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed them into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught, but Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? He knows that's not a question. That's what they call a rhetorical question. It's actually a statement. Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you are worried and upset by all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about, and Mary has discovered it and I will and it, it will not be taken away from her let's pray Lord I thank you for your word and I pray as we just look at this and look at one aspect of this that you will speak to our hearts let us see you creating us a, a greater desire to, to be with you and to follow you in Jesus name amen Mary and Martha so Martha, Martha welcomed Jesus into her home. Martha served Jesus, preparing a meal, and then Martha compared her to herself to her sister. And she asked Jesus to do something about this lazy sod of a sister. We've all got one. There's always one in the family. Well, Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. I want you to think about these two sisters in this way. While Martha invited Jesus into her home, Mary made Jesus the focus of her attention. And I wonder how many of us have welcomed Jesus into our our home. We served Jesus. uh, We pray to him. But we don't always make Jesus the centre of our attention. And um, Jesus, you're welcome into my house. There's a plaque on the wall that says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Who's got one of those? Anyone got one of those? Uh, Let's have a look again. There's a couple here. You need to get one of them. Nathan, have you got one of them yet? You haven't got a real home until you got one of those. Someone, when's your birthday? 5th of November. You're getting one for your birthday. Mary has chosen the better part, one verse says. Why? Why has Mary chosen the better part? Because she gave Jesus her attention, her undivided attention. And I think one of the greatest gifts we can give someone today, even today, is our attention. There's so much noise and information in our world. That's just, it's a thousand times more information than there would have been there. 
It's constantly at us. Constant messages. So much noise. And to give someone your attention is a great compliment. It's a great gift. To actually listen. Have you ever spoken to someone and you're just waiting for them to stop so you can start talking? We all do that, don't we? We want to put our opinion across. Just waiting for a gap in the conversation, which is easier, more easy with, the, with some people than with other people. Actually listening. Today I want to talk about being still and quiet in the presence of God. It's a, I suppose it's a pretty basic sort of a subject, but uh, for me it seems to be really important. When I say being silent in God's presence, I'm not saying taking a, a vow not to speak like the monks would have once upon a time, but quietening our spirit. Because uh, we're in a society who doesn't like to be still. We've got to do stuff. We, we, we gotta, we're addicted to have our attention taken. Um, you notice, if you notice things on social media, they get smaller and smaller and smaller because our attention span is getting less and less and less. And uh, we like to have something where we can look at it or, or watch it or scroll through it or listen to it or even read it. And we're, I think we've, be, we've become very good at a church chat talking to God or talking at God, maybe even good at serving, but not perhaps still enough to really listen to him, to give him our undivided attention. And I, I believe Christian, I've come to believe Christian matur- maturity is more about listening than about speaking. And a prayer should be definitely more about listening than speaking. Tell you what, I want to hear more what a grandmaster says then bird out what I think. Imagine going to oh, there's Andrew right down there, he's a great farmer. There's a farmer visiting from South South America, let's say. Oh let's say South Africa. They've got some good farmers there. He's got all these new methods and Andrew gets to meet him to have an hour coffee with him. Imagine if he, he met this guy and then he talked for 58 minutes and then let the, the, the master talk for just two minutes. We would say that's a pretty stupid thing to do. But I wonder how often we do that with God. We just lay our, our agenda or what, what's on our heart, but we don't take time to actually hear what God says. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that Christian maturity is more about listening than about talking. And I've come to realise that being still before God is a key to living a more relaxed, contented life, unhurried life, to live a life anchored in the love of God, to live a, a thoughtful, more thoughtful life so you're not triggered so much by those things that trigger you, that cause you to voice your own opinion. But I've found that being still in God's presence is actually a skill we have to learn. There's a story about Elijah. Elijah in the Old, Old Testament. It's in the book of Kings. One of the most famous prophets. And he accomplished incredible things. In fact, if there was one day in a prophet's life that had the most miracles, it was in Elijah's life. Even more than in Jesus' life. 
is recorded one day where he went to the prophet, uh, sorry, went to the mountain, took on the prophets of Baal, called down fire from heaven, wiped out the prophets, and then he prayed for a drought to break, and it started to rain. Three major miracles, and then he outrun a chariot all on the same day. It was like the greatest day in prophet history. Probably the greatest day in your Bible as far as recorded miracles all happening on one day. And then it says, uh, he must have been a bit burnt out because he heard a woman called Jezebel was chasing him. And it wasn't just a woman with a knife. You know, she had armies at her disposal. He ended up in the desert, under this bush, praying that God would kill him or let him die. So he went from on the mountain to all this glorious, to this in the desert. Oh, Lord, woe is me. Just take me now. And uh, it's a typical sign of someone who had just been so busy and, and, and just was at their lowest, even after these incredible things. And he ended up in a mount, on a mountain in a cave. And I'm going to read a few verses from 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 11 to 13. It says this, Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And Elijah stood there. And the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. Imagine being on the mountain, and the, and the weather starts, and the wind starts, and it's quite you know, amazing sort of a situation. And there was a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. So there like landslides happening there. But the Lord was not in the wind. The Lord told him to go out there. Sent this big noise, but he wasn't in the wind. After that, the wind, there was an earthquake. Wow. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord wasn't in the fire. These incredible things happened. It was a bit like on the mountain when all the noise was happening when all the miracles were happening. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. What a contrast. Windstorms, earthquakes, fire, and now we've got a gentle whisper. Talk about the other end of the spectrum. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood before the entrance of the cave. And the voice said, What are you doing here, Elijah? God encouraged him after that. It says, if you read on, it says Elijah thought he was alone. He was the only one in Israel and God showed him that was, there was many other people there and God gave him a new direction and then told him about Elisha who he was going to anoint as the next prophet. I wonder how often we're waiting for God to speak in a spectacular way. Looking for something big and significant, the earthquake, the wind and the fire. You know, those, those big events. When actually God is trying to speak to us in a still, small voice. And those big miracles, you know, there's lots of one-off events in our life. And sometimes we, oh, I wish I could go back to that big event where God was there. That, that meeting, that, that experience, whatever it might have been. Those big miracles, but... Elijah just had to tune his ear to the small voice. 
If you want to, I've found if you want to hear the still small voice, you've got to learn to quiet yourself and get away from the noise. Isn't that true? Because stillness, stillness is not only where we can hear his voice, but it's also what, often what we actually need. Because with it comes peace. So it's not just what God says. It's the atmosphere it creates. If you want peace, you don't need the spectacular. You don't need a big new project to get your attention again. You need the presence of God. Learn how to still yourself and hear his voice. His presence and his quiet words bring peace and wholeness. You know, sometimes we talk about something called devotions. I sort of, you've heard that word or time alone with God or every day with Jesus. There's lots of different terms we, we, we have for spending time with God. and They're all helpful concepts. And there's lots of resources. There's probably things in our bookshop now that will help with that. To take, And I'd encourage you to take advantage of them. But... Often we focus in those times when we're alone with God with, you know, getting filled up for the day, getting some direction. What can I get from God? How can I serve God? And those things are good. If we go back to our story with Mary and Martha, Martha never got reprimanded. She welcomed Jesus in. She was serving him. She never got reprimanded at all. Um, She was serving God. It said, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset about these details. There's one thing worth being concerned about, and Mary has discovered it. Some other versions say this, but only one thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen the best part. Another, another version says this, Martha, my dear, you are worried and bothered about providing so many things. Only a few things are needed, and Mary has chosen the best part. The Passion Translation says this, Mary has discovered the one thing most important by choosing to sit at my feet. She is undistracted and I won't take this privilege from her. So Jesus was in her house, welcomed by Martha. She was serving him, but she was, it says she was missing out on the best part. I wonder if we ever missed out on the best part. Simply the presence of Jesus. I, I want to suggest and challenge you. Can I, can I do that today? To meet with God, but not with a goal to get something, but with a goal just to be with him, to pay attention to him, to be aware of his presence, to receive from him, and take time, put your agenda aside, and maybe listen to him. His agenda, not yours. And uh, Because often we need something we're not aware of. And this is a huge challenge in our culture. You know, our culture, as I said before, has programmed us to have the attention span of a goldfish, right? Um, one minute, Max. Next story, please. And we, we, we sort of have to fight that in our culture. The early church had something they coined, they coined a term called the daily office. Now that sounds like, you know, going to work or something like that. But the word office comes from the Latin word opus, which means work. So the daily office, the daily work, they called it. 
And at fixed, at fixed times a day they would stop and do the work of God. Now the work of God wasn't preaching or a service or preparing. The work of God was the time to listen to God and meet with him. They called it the work of God, the daily office. And they practiced this even in Old Testament times. You might read about David. You read about him in Psalm 119 verse 164. He prayed seven times a day. And you hear about Daniel, he prayed three times a day. Uh, in Daniel uh, chapter 6, verse 10, it says that. The, the, the devout Jews in Jesus' time, they, they prayed morning, afternoon and evening. And uh, has anyone heard of a monk called Benedict? Good of Benedict. He created, for his sort of disciples who were with him he created eight daily offices and one for the monks was in the middle of the night where they wake up at 12 o'clock and they'd go and meet with God and uh, they had to stop whatever work they were doing and do the work of God which was actually just to be with God and the idea was not was to actually to create a continual familiarity with God's presence because we know God is with us all the time. But I don't think we're always with him, if you know what I mean. We're not always aware of him. And the challenge for us is to stop long enough to actually be quiet and listen. And I've been trying to revisit this practice a little bit. A lockdown helps a little bit when you can't go too far. And I don't usually use a devotional book, but I have been using one. This one's called... Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, Day by Day. That's a devotional book. I've been using that. And uh, it instructs you. You know what it instructs you to do? It's got these little three-minute readings. At the beginning of the reading, it says, you have to stop for two minutes and listen. What? You know, two minutes is like an eternity when you haven't stopped for two minutes before. And you think, well, what do I do for two minutes? What do I... Something's, you need something for my attention. And, uh, and after you read the reading, then you've got to stop for another two minutes. Seems like two hours. And uh, after some awkward moments of trying to work out how to do this, first, okay, I'll close my eyes and I won't be. Make sure any dis- distractive devices are left in another room. And... Uh, Stop for stillness with a goal of simply being in God's presence. And you might just pray a little bit. And so I had to go into the room and realise it was going to be a bit awkward for a while. And the major goal of this time was not to hear from God, although I did hear from God. It wasn't to pray, although I did pray, the major goal was to be in God's presence. That was the priority. And so if I didn't hear something from God, I still had my goal. My goal was to be with God and give him my attention. And obviously God speaks to you in those times. He is always faithful. But the goal was different. The goal was actually just to be with him to be with God and allow that stillness to happen. But Darren, I like music. You know what? You might have noticed I like music too. 
I get easily distracted by music. I listen to the words, this, that, and then listen to this instrument and that instrument, and all of a sudden my focus is nowhere. <laughs> it's not actually not on God. It's, 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 it's a great atmosphere. But I learned learning to be still even without those sorts of things around me. The power of stillness. Psalm 46, verse 10, you might know that scripture. Be still and know that I am God. Before that, the verses say something like this. God is our refuge and our strength. He is always ready to help in times of trouble. So we won't fear when earthquakes come and when the mountains crumble into the sea. When Let the oceans roar and foam. This is talking about a lot of stuff happening, isn't it? Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. And later on, that's verse 1 to 3. When you go to verse 10, it says, Be still and know that I am God. There's something about being still before God that calms. Psalm 37, I think I've got this one, verse 7. Yeah. Be still in the presence of the Lord. Wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. It's talking about the things around us we really haven't got too much control over. See, being still in God's presence also deals with worry. That transaction happens where, you know, we've got something bigger than the situation we're, we're encountering. So I want to encourage you to make the presence of God a priority in your life. I used to have this old Bible teacher called Pastor Bill Hilbeck. Some of you would have known him. He was like, I don't know when he died, how old he was when he died. He was always old when I knew him. He was the principal of the Bible college. Before that, he used to be an acrobat. He used to water ski at about the age of 70. He was an incredible fellow. But one of the courses he did was called Practicing the Presence of God. And it was all about this. It was all about learning just to, you know, different ways to hear from God, but learning how to be in his presence, that discipline, I suppose. John 15 verse 5 says, I'm the, bri- I'm the vine. I just said I'm the brine. You are the brine. I'm the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much, much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Well, And I think the major goal in a Christian life is to know God. In fact, there was one verse that transformed what I thought Christianity was. I don't, did I give it to you? Did I give you John 17, verse 3? I don't think I did. It says this. Jesus is, is praying a prayer called the High Priestly Prayer. He's about to go to the cross. John 17 verse 3 says this, and this is eternal life. And it, okay, this is it. This is eternal life. And I think, okay, what is it? It says that you might know God, the only, the only true God, and the one who sent him. And it, I used to think eternal life was about this length of life. But it really turned out, no, eternal life is primarily about knowing God. About knowing God. When you know God, you have life abundant now and forever. This is eternal life that you might know God. I 
I've got it here the way he prayed it according to the New International Version. Now this is eternal life that they might know you, God. He's praying the only one true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Psalm 16 verse 11 says, In his presence there is fullness of joy. Not just joy, fullness of joy. At his right hand, pleasures forevermore. Remember Moses, he's about to lead the children of Israel through the wilderness and he, he said, God, I'm not going unless you go with me. And in Exodus 33 verse 14, the Lord spoke to him and said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Where God's presence is, is, is rest, is peace. And we have that available to us all the time because God is with us. It's like, a, it's like a, something we have on tap that we need to learn how to tap into more constantly, where we do it deliberately. And uh, I'd encourage you, I know some of you don't, uh, do this, to have a time and a place where you do meet with God. Obviously, and, you know, when I'm driving the car, I put on some worship music and, and pray, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about we've all got 24 hours in a, in a day. Take five, even five, ten minutes. In a quiet time of your day, I know that's hard for some, with kids and all sorts of things, where we take the challenge up, a couple of minutes of silence, where you're just focusing on Jesus. Read something, read, read a few verses and pray about those verses or get a devotional book and maybe help that, let, read through with that. And then take another couple of minutes after. Now don't do your shopping list prayer here. You can do that while you're driving. This is the time just to be in God's presence and maybe just hear his voice. He might want to take you in a different space where you're... And so that's, that's the method I've been using. And, and uh, hey, I'm better at it on some days than others, but I've found that God's presence is, is a powerful thing. They call it the daily office. In fact, in this book, they call it the daily office as well. And they have, in this particular book, there's a morning and an evening reading. Sometimes I get... I've actually found a use for one of my mayoral uh, business cards. I think this is the only time I've ever used them as bookmarks. And God will speak to you. Remember Martha. Let's go back to Martha. She invited Jesus into her home. And I think a lot of us have done that. But Mary, Mary made Jesus the focus of her attention. Hi back there. Hey, we're going to come around communion time. Can we just have um, a couple of the team up? We're going to sing that song. We're going to wait upon you, that one, again. Yeah. Um, in a moment, we're going to take communion. Uh, you've got some in, in the seats in front of you. You've got some communion packs there. Be careful if you haven't used them before, the way you open them. 
I was thinking about um, the presence of God, what happens when he, he goes into a situation, and my mind went to John chapter 20. Um, can we put that verse up? John chapter 20. And this was after the turmoil of the cross and the resurrection and the disciples didn't know what the heck was happening. You know, they've, some had seen him, they'd heard he was alive. But that Sunday evening, so this is the Sunday evening of the resurrection, just to put a context. That Sunday evening, the disciples, uh, even on the first day of the week, I'll read this one. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Wow. They thought they were out, out to get them. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there with them. And what did he say? Uh, Peace be with you. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and inside, and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Let's go to the next verse. Did I give you the next one? No, I didn't give you the next one, did I? I'll read verse 21. And then Jesus said something again. He said, peace be with you. He already said it once. I think they need to hear it again. Peace be with you. As the Father is sending me, has sent me, I'm sending you. And he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And I was thinking about that there's two times peace be with you is said. Jesus comes and when Jesus is there, peace be with you. And then he breathes on them and receives the whole, says receive the Holy Spirit and, you know, peace be with you. And I think there's something in there for us. See, peace comes when we have the presence of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, the spirit of peace. The Holy Spirit is with us now. That's his presence now, with us right now. And uh, I don't know what you're facing right now. We're all facing all sorts of things, I'm sure. But as you, or as you take communion or before you take communion, why don't you just invite Jesus into your room? He said he appeared. He virtually walked through the walls because it was a locked door. He just, and that tells you that there's no obstacle that can stop. The presence of God. And Lord, we invite you into our situation. We thank you for what this communion represents, what the cross has done for us. Dealt with all things, Lord. There's no longer any obstacle between you and us. Sin has been forgiven. We are restored. We're part of the family. And I pray you um, every person here will sense your presence, Lord God. Lord, I pray when we um, facing situations, we'll remember this and we'll ask you to come in. Peace be still. And Holy Spirit, as we eat and drink, I pray you'll fill each one afresh. The very presence of God, the Spirit of God, the essence of God, which is the Holy Spirit pray as we eat and drink, Lord, that you will fill each one afresh, refreshing every soul in Jesus' name. Let's, let's eat and drink. with Lord, as Jesus said in that room, he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And I speak that over uh, everyone in this 
place here, Lord, receive the Holy Spirit. And I pray that the Spirit of God, the Comforter, the Counselor, the Guider, the Empowering of the Holy Spirit, the Refreshing, the, um, the Anointing of the Holy Spirit, the, Lord, the Appointing of God in Jesus' name, the Guidance of God in Jesus' name. Lord, let us be a people who learn how to wait on you, Lord God, to give you time in our life, Lord God. To make priority, Lord, for your presence just to uh, be with you, Lord God. And allow you to um, speak freshness or new things into our God. Not just be one to always looking for certain things or asking for certain things, Lord God. But we'll be people who can be guided by you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.